I mean, Prince Eric's pretty solid, but mm, that's a hard one. I'd probably just have to say Eric because he goes so well with Ariel, in my opinion. Okay. Yeah, Prince Eric's pretty cool. <laughs> nice. They have these cool cups here in the Shanghai stores where it's like Prince Eric Club or something like that, like Appreciation Club, and it's <laughs> cup cooler, and it's got like the fake ice stuff inside, and then it has like the Prince Eric Appreciation Club or whatever it says, and then smack dab over the font is like a very thin line that you can barely see, but it's Eric and a heart, and it's cute. <laughs> it's a big <laughs> cup, too. <laughs> oh, you're gonna have so much disney stuff when you come back oh bro, you know it i'm probably just gonna have one suitcase of disney stuff <laughs> and then just a suitcase of whatever clothes i decide to bring back hey everybody welcome to the new episode of character progression i'm your host dan brown and joining me from literally the other side of the planet in shanghai <laughs> china is my friend kaylee what's up kaylee Nihal. chilling um, in shanghai so, what character are you going to cover for us? Well, if people know me and they're listening to this, it's very obvious that I'd say Ariel from The Little Mermaid, the Disney movie. Love, love, love Ariel. Hmm. Just because of the red hair? No, I think I would say that's a staple to why I love redheads so much, but I love everything about Ariel. And growing up, I kind of wanted to be her. I love her singing. I think I've taken up her hoarding habits, <laughs> her desire to travel, hence why I'm here. But I really like her. And if I go more in depth about it, I really like Glenn Keane's design for her. I like Jody Benson's voice for her and everything. She's great. Oh, awesome. Do you remember when you first saw The Little Mermaid? When I first saw The Little Mermaid. Or when you first came to appreciate Ariel as a princess? Oh, it had to have been when I first saw it. I think I was like three or four years old. I was at my nanny's with a bunch of other kids, including my sister. And we used to watch the VHS on repeat in her bedroom. I remember the opening sequence. I would be like, shh, everybody, shh, shh, shh. (laughs) And then we'd watch. It was great. Oh, yeah, I was really young. The movie came out in 89, 1989. And I was born in 95, so it wasn't new, but it was still, like, one of the newer VHSs that she had. And we just watched it, watched it, watched it. I think we broke it. (laughs) (laughs) But I remember asking, can we watch it again? And she's like, no, go outside or something. (laughs) (laughs) But we can't watch it outside. Yeah, Do you have a projector? (laughs) No, but I, I remember watching it on repeat. I actually have multiple copies of it on DVD, like the Platinum Edition, Diamond, or whatever. And then I have one DVD that has both the prequel, The Little Mermaid 2, or no, Ariel's Beginning is the prequel. And then I have the sequel, which is The Little Mermaid 2, when you meet her daughter, Melody. And the prequel was when we met her mom, right? Yeah, Queen Athena. It was actually really good. I loved the animation a lot better in the prequel, which came out much later than I did in the sequel. And not that the sequel animation's bad, but it was definitely like one of the low budget sequels that Disney like popped out like rabbits in that time where they just had like, here's a sequel, here's a sequel, here's a sequel. Lady and the Tramp 2, Scamp's Adventure, and... Oh, I love that one, though. (laughs) Uh, Was it Lion King 2 and then Lion King 1.5, which Mm -hmm. 1.5 is fantastic. One and a half is great. I actually really like one and a half. 
I was talking about that one recently, but. So for anyone who's never seen the movie, what is the story of The Little Mermaid and who is Ariel? The Little Mermaid was written by Hans Christian Andersen. And the original story is Ariel falls in love with a prince and she sacrifices being a mermaid to become a human. The prince in the original story ends up falling in love with somebody else. And since she had essentially given away what I guess you could call a soul... She ends up being turned into sea foam in the original story. So she dies. Like, she doesn't become a human and she doesn't become a mermaid. But in the Disney movie, because they gotta make it all kid friendly, she's just really into the human world. She likes to collect things, she likes to learn more. But because she has never really talked to a human before, she has no idea what she's collecting and what these things are for, except for what she thinks they might be. And she's got a seagull that thinks he knows, but he doesn't. Until one day she sees a boat and she's so close. She's like, I'm just going to swim to it. And she sees all the humans. And then she falls in love with the most handsome one for her, which ends up being a prince. And she's a princess. And it's just a cute story of her really being fascinated with the human world, getting closer to the human world by falling in love with a prince. She does what she can to try and experience it, which is giving away her soul in the movie for a pair of legs. But then she also can't talk. So it was kind of like an eye for an eye in a sense where like, yeah, you could be a human, but I'm not going to let you be able to enjoy it 100%. (laughs) (laughs) But it's still a really cute movie. And I really like the Disney adaptation a lot. But if anybody ever has a chance, I recommend the book. The book's really interesting. It's an older take. It's kind of short. And Disney just made it a lot more playful and funny and a lot more um, lovey-dovey. And a lot of people discredit Ariel and the Little Mermaid, and they say she's selfish, she shouldn't be a role model to kids, blah, blah, blah. But I think it was more of, in my opinion, and I know I'm trailing, but I think it was more of Ariel really liked the human world, and being able to fall in love with a human and be with a human was just a plus. Whereas she probably would have done anything to explore and wander land If she didn't have the prince anyway, in my opinion, that's what I think she would have done. I think she would have explored it regardless. I think she just would have progressively got closer and closer to land and seen what it was like for herself. But because there was a prince and she's a 16 year old girl with hormones, then, you know, (laughs) (laughs) things kind of speed up the process. I'm 16. I'm not a little girl anymore. (laughs) yeah i love that meme that's like being a kid is relating to ariel being an adult is relating to her father in that scene yeah it's so true though i remember growing up thinking the same thing i'm like yeah you tell him and then i'm older i'm like oh no please don't (laughs) (laughs) that's your dad you're you're 16 you don't know anything yeah absolutely not oh god no but i mean it's it's just a cute story and a lot of stories A lot of older stories, a lot of the main female characters were a lot younger. Life expectancies were shorter, so. (laughs) Right. Yeah, they had to be younger. But I mean, 16 years old, you still have, like, your head on your shoulders. You still know what's going on. But, I mean, you're 16 years old. (laughs) Yeah. So what specifically about Ariel as opposed to Elsa or Aurora or Belle? Like, what makes Ariel 
other than really just liking the movie, what makes her like your princess? I'd have to say she imprinted on me first. <laughs> so I think it, there's a little bit of a bias because I saw her movie first and more frequent. But I feel like when I was younger and a lot more impressionable, her desire to explore, her desire to learn and gather more knowledge and her love for singing and being silly and stuff. I just, I loved that. And I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I love Belle, Aurora, Elsa, and all of them for their own personalities and different traits. I actually have a whole list of my other top 10 favorite princesses, but that's another story. (laughs) (laughs) But I think Ariel really clung to me because I mean, one, it's just a huge fantasy. It's not real life. Yeah. She might not be a perfect role model, but like who doesn't want to be a mermaid? Who doesn't want to fall in love with the prince? Who doesn't want to be the best singer? Who doesn't want to collect all these things and literally have their own cave of wonders in a sense? Not like Aladdin, but her own grotto and have all these collected things that she found on her own. And I loved that. And I could watch the movie a million times and still find something new, still have the same love for it as when I watched it when I was really young. And I think she was just really impressionable for me because I just felt like she was maybe not necessarily she was different, but like, I think she was very unique. And I think The Little Mermaid stems my love for music, which branched off into being a musical fanatic. Her desire for more knowledge has kind of made me more of an explorer myself. She wants to travel, see new things. That's almost exactly who I am. I'm literally 7,784 something miles away from home. <laughs> so, that is weirdly specific. Who, who Googles stuff like that? I didn't. But <laughs> I, I, almost uh, I, I almost would rather that you Googled it instead of you just know. <laughs> yeah, you know. I'll, tape measure. I'll Google it sometime. Hmm. <laughs> But I will definitely admit that I picked up her hoarding habits. She finds something, she keeps it. She finds something, she keeps it. Girl, let me tell you how much stuff I found on the floor and I keep it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is cool. I'm going to keep it. But she's very influential. I've always wanted to be a redhead. Now, not necessarily a stark red crimson like she has, but maybe more of like a natural ginger kind of like Merida. But she's got all kinds of traits and... I love her color palette. They literally, in the animation process, they kind of spun a color wheel and they were looking at complementary colors. And if you look at some of the original concept art and drawing designs and stuff for Ariel, her colors and designs were all over the place. But Glenn Keane and a bunch of other animators got together and they were like, okay, we got to figure out these colors. What are we doing? They landed on red but they didn't want it to be warm colors because she's under the water. So they wanted it to be more cool colors. So I think they spun it again and it landed on green and they're like, okay, this is solid. Let's figure out what we can do with green. Mm, Okay. Tail. And then they looked across the color wheel and they're like, okay, cool. Um, Other cool colors and complimentary would be purple. Her eyes, they look blue, but they're like a turquoise technically. And it just all blends well. And she stands out. She's just great. I could talk about it forever. (laughs) I never even actually paid that much attention to her eyes. I always just knew the red hair, the green tail, and the purple seashells. Yeah. Well, 
I mean, I've watched all the behind-the-scenes stuff and all the additional stuff on YouTube as much as you can imagine. And it's always really interesting to see the process of, like, how they create these characters. Like, Glenn Keane is an animation god. Like, that is one of my idols, and I adore him. And he's drawn so many other Disney characters that people know and love, like Beast, Aladdin, Pocahontas, Rapunzel, Tarzan, etc. Like, the list goes on forever. He's amazing. But, like, he also mentioned that when he was drawing Ariel, that he kind of just, like, flipped through a magazine and found a couple 80s idols. I can't remember her name right now for the life of me. But he saw her hair and he was like, ooh, got it. And (laughs) saw this girl's figure and he was like, ooh, got it. And then I think he just added a bunch of complimentary personality traits and kind of threw it all together to make Ariel. She lives and she learns. She figures something out. If that's not right, ooh back up find something new and she's essentially human in her mistakes yeah i never really thought about that at all she's she's pretty deep bro no i'm kidding (laughs) she's not that deep she's she's deep underwater but (laughs) (laughs) she's a really cool princess like people give disney princesses such a bad rep in my opinion i had this really shitty like shitty 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 ninth grade AP teacher in my high school and he was asking us like just for gits and shiggles one day uh, like who our favorite characters were and I said Ariel and he told me like to my face I was 15 years old he told me Ariel is a crappy character she's such a poor role model she literally is selfish because she leaves her family behind for a boy and I was like "Mm, back up and I'm (laughs) Those are fighting words, Mm. and I don't like it. People take these stories either way too seriously, or they don't give it enough credit. It's literally a fantasy. It's a fucking mermaid, people. Like, calm down. Mm. (laughs) It's not real, but, like, when people are like, oh, this is garbage, this movie's garbage, Disney princesses are garbage, Mm. you garbage, girl, back up. Well, that's that contrarian, like, mentality where people it is want to hate it just because it's beloved by so many absolutely and i can understand like it's almost purely made for merchandising they kind of take a story and they're like you know what we're gonna make it our own so it's not essentially the little mermaid it's not hans christian anderson's original little mermaid it's disney mermaid and disney is stereotyped as like a kid movie but it's still made for adults these movies are literally made to last through the ages it's the 30th anniversary this year of the little mermaid itself and it's more than just a little kid movie that you could throw on to distract your kids for 90 minutes it's it's something enjoyable that hundreds of people at the disney studios put their heart and souls into and it's not just pen and pencil on paper like These are 24 frames per second that were hand-drawn, sketched, colored, painted, printed, taken pictures of, thrown together. You add an orchestra, you add some characters, you add some backdrops, and ba-bam, it's a good movie. People don't give it enough credit, in my opinion. I feel the same way when you look at the animal sidekicks that are in so many Disney movies. Like, (laughs) even... Even though he's the buzzkill, like, I love Sebastian. Yeah. I love and the fact he that he's Jamaican well. for no reason. Reason, yeah. 
Yeah, he means well, but, like, if you go back and you watch the movie, like, his job wasn't to babysit Ariel. He was literally just a concert director, and because she missed more than a couple rehearsals, King Triton, Ariel's father, was just like, all right, you were supposed to take care of her during this allotted time, and you're helping me, you're, like, my secretary, essentially, so get your ass out there and go find her. Sebastian's job wasn't a babysit, so he's really stern because he's like, I'm not supposed to be here today. (laughs) (laughs) So he's Dante from Clerks? Yeah. (laughs) I wasn't supposed to be here today. That's the whole movie, though. Like, he's just like, don't do this, don't do that. Oh, God. And somebody better nail that girl's fins to the floor and stuff like that. He's Dante. I can't help but thinking how dark that chef scene could have been. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> How many shrimps really did sick. Prince Eric eat? 37. In a row? <laughs> <laughs> the sidekicks, though, there's a lot of pros and cons behind them, but they add mostly comedic effect. Because if there wasn't Sebastian or something, we'd just be watching this naive 16-year-old girl walk around making mistakes innocently, but without repercussions. Like, he's there to tell her, like, no, you shouldn't do this because... I'm just going to be repeating myself on a broken record, but <laughs> nobody's supposed to be here today. <laughs> but that's just what he's supposed to do is he's just supposed to be there to be like, mm, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. Whereas like Flounder is also represented as a child. He has no clue, but like he also has the gut feeling like something's wrong and that we shouldn't be doing stuff like this. But he's also Ariel's best friend. So he's like, if that makes you happy, you do you. <laughs> so yeah, Sebastian's I- the word of reason. Right, and so Flanders just like, I support you, even if I disagree with it. And yeah. Sebastian just like, I disagree with it, I don't support you, and I don't even want to be here. 100%. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Flounder literally follows her into like this abandoned ship, and he's just like, uh, we shouldn't be here. And she's like, don't be such a guppy, blah, 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 I'm not a guppy. And he still goes in, and they almost get eaten by a shark, but... He does it because that's what Ariel wants to do, and he doesn't want to get left behind. He probably doesn't have a whole lot of other friends, but he just does whatever she wants to do. And if that makes her happy, then he wants to see his friend happy, whereas Sebastian's an adult. And he's like, "Mm -mm, no, you're 16. (laughs) So, of course, he's going to be the word of reason. He's a lot more mature, and he has a different perspective. So then how do you think, since Prince Eric's your favorite prince, how do you think Ursula stands up as a villain? So Ursula, her whole scheme, her whole plot is just to get back into the palace of Atlantica because apparently King Trident, in the movie, they say that he took the throne from her. In the musical that they readapted for Broadway, apparently they were siblings and she killed all the siblings and Triton was the only one left and he was the one that got the throne or something like that. I don't know how a squid and a mermaid could be siblings, but (laughs) it was more of like a sibling rivalry in the musical. Whereas in the movie, it sounds more like maybe she had a similar title. They don't really explain it too much, but she just wants to be able to have the power to be able to control the seven seas because King Triton is essentially Poseidon in a sense, but he's his own thing. He's supposed to be able to rule all the seas, so he's a powerful man with his triton. So that's all she really wants, is just the ability, the power, and the control. She couldn't give two shits about Ariel or any of the other people or whatnot. So 
as a villain, I think she's really interesting because she has the ability to get what she wants and not care about others' feelings, but she also can be charismatic. She's funny, but she's also blunt at the same time. As a villain, I think she's pretty well-rounded, pun intended. <laughs> hmm. But I think there's also parts where like she's lacking. I mean, all she really wants is the Triton and the crown. And when I think of villains, I think more like Frollo from The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Like, that is pure evil. This guy is willing to kill people. He's willing to create a genocide just to get people off the streets so he doesn't have to see them anymore. And he compares them to roaches and bugs. And that's pure evil. Whereas Ursula is just greedy. It is a negative trait, but I think it's more selfish. So, like, she could have that power. But then again, those people could also just leave Atlantica and go somewhere else. And they don't have to deal with her anymore. (laughs) Right. Unless she Um, turns them all into those little seaweed things. things. Yeah, they they never really say what they are. But, yeah, it's like seaweed. I mean, she's a pretty good villain. Love her songs. And when she turns into Vanessa, which is supposed to be basically the doppelganger of Ariel, she has all the similar physical, facial traits as Ariel, just different hair. I think that was pretty cool. I liked that idea. And it's also voiced by Jodie Benson when she's Vanessa. But Vanessa only had like four or five lines. She barely says anything. But I think overall she's a pretty good villain. Prince Eric, though, on the other hand, in the beginning of the movie, he mentions he just wants to travel and explore, too. Grimsby is his servant, like, essentially his right-hand man. And Grimsby's just, like, mentioning on the ship, like, oh, we just left this wonderful kingdom. How come you didn't marry that princess? And Eric, he's also a bit of a romantic. He's like, well, when I find the one, she'll hit me like lightning. And (laughs) then lightning strikes, but... He also doesn't want to settle. Like, there's so much more he can see and explore. There's so many more options that he could see. So I think he was a pretty cool prince. He wasn't selfish like Naveen. Naveen's a pretty selfish prince. He's not one of my favorites. He's from The Princess and the Frog. He really just cared about money and being a womanizer more than he cared about Tiana. But I think Prince Eric, when he realizes and when he meets Ariel on the beach, that when she doesn't talk, he goes, oh, maybe you're not the one. So, like, he's solely basing his thoughts on finding the one from what he experienced for, like, two seconds when she sang to him on the beach with the blinding sunlight behind her. So, he's not willing to give her a try, I guess. But he's not mean about it. Like, when Prince Eric shows her around the kingdom, he starts to warm up to her and she can't talk, but they're still able to communicate. And it's cute when they're on the rowboat scene. He's like, let me try and figure a name. He says all these, like, weird names <laughs> until Sebastian literally tells her Ariel. So I guess I would say that he is my favorite. Yeah. All right. So let's get into a segment that I call Big G, Little G. The Big G is how the way Ariel inspired you could be good for the world. And the Little mm. G is how it's been good for you personally. On top of the movie being fantastic, I really liked the animated series that they came out with in the early 90s. Ariel was friends with everybody. She has this song called Harmony that she sings. And she talks about how everybody has different qualities and everybody has different melodies, hence harmony. But she says, variety adds spice to life. 
And she just talks about how having different friends that do different things, that like and have different passions for different things, add more spice to your life as well as others. So I liked that she didn't have any boundaries when it came to finding friends. She found friends in whales, seahorses, deaf mermaids, octopi, other crabs, fish, etc. And I also think she's a positive impact because she also, they mention it in the animated series that she's kind of like wants to try and save the ocean in many ways. So there are a couple times where like she finds trash or something's not handled properly or she sees things that could be better taken care of. So like she actually steps up and tries to find an action to fix that or maybe improve it. I think that's pretty positive. And right now, Disney is doing a conservation effort this month of April, where every time someone signs up to pledge to help clean up the ocean, they will donate up to $5 or something per person to marine wildlife conservation, as well as cleaning up oceans. So on top of that, as well as it being the 30th anniversary of The Little Mermaid, they're using Ariel right now in this campaign to help bring people to understand like if Ariel can't swim in the ocean how can these fish swim in the ocean surrounded by plastic and blah 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 so I think her conservation efforts and her love for different passions and different people and stuff bring other positive personalities and attitudes to other people and I think on a big G level that can be pretty influential and I think it's a pretty good role model on a little G I think everything that I just said influences me because it makes me want to do more wants me to conserve more makes me want to yearn for knowledge just as well i want to be able to study find learn new things from other people different backgrounds and not just be confined to knowing one thing doing one thing eat sleep breathe one thing so being able to have her adventurous spirit is a pretty cool little g for me all right, so then if you had the ability to speak to Ariel, she popped out of the ocean over there in China and said, <laughs> hey, Kaylee, what's up? What would you say to her? If Ariel popped out of the ocean in China, I would tell her to get out of the water. It's disgusting. And <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Um, but if her as a fictional character were to pop up, I would probably just tell her how much I admire her as a person or a mermaid, how much I love her personality, how much she's influenced me. And I'd probably just want to show her around so we can learn new things together. Now, if 16-year-old me talked to 16-year-old Ariel, it would just be explorations all the time. Let's go do this. Let's go do that. But I think now it would be more like, let's sit and talk kind of stuff. I'd also want to know more things like linguistically like how are you able to talk to fish and whales and birds and stuff how do you breathe when you don't have visible gills on your neck and stuff like that <laughs> i would probably ask her a bunch of weird things i'd probably be a really chatty kathy but that would be hypothetically a really interesting experience to meet her yeah i always just assumed the movie was translating for us since Finding Nemo <laughs> taught us how to speak whale. Yeah. And as entertaining as that would have been, I don't recall Ariel ever looking at a whale and just being like, oh, are you? 
I think he wants a milkshake. (laughs) (laughs) I would just be really interested. Like, is it a telepathy thing or kind of like Aquaman? Or is it kind of like water is just your oxygen? Or is it the oxygen in the water or something like that? That would be really interesting. But then again, it's a fantasy. Like, you don't need to know. (laughs) (laughs) How how do they speak and breathe? Just magic. Yeah, simple as that. That's probably what she'd say. She'd probably say, um, you know, I don't know. (laughs) I just do. (laughs) So given everything you've learned and taken in from Ariel as a character, if you were to come across someone who's going through a hard time in their own lives right now, what kind of advice would you give them? I have rough days of my own, but I also would probably tell somebody maybe not to think too much in the now. There's always... A will be, a could be, soon. There's things to look forward to, things to go see, new things to try, whether it's food, places, clothes, etc. I think I would tell people that although it's hard now, things can get better and they will get better. And it might sound cliche, but maybe taking baby steps out of your comfort zone to find new things could make you happier. Maybe singing a song will relieve some tension. That's what Ariel does. That's what I do. I like to sing. So finding something that you like to do and then going with it. It doesn't necessarily have to be your career or it doesn't have to be your main focus, but maybe finding a hobby, something that makes you happy, something that can benefit your life and make it a little bit more positive than it is in the now and Life's hard, and you'll go through it, and a lot of bumps in the road, but that's what makes you you. Variety adds spice to life. You learn new things, and you can learn new things from new people. I'm not a very good, positive, motivational speaker, but (laughs) Mm. I would try my best. But that's what I get from it. And that's still good advice. Even without considering yourself a positive speaker, that really could help somebody. I would hope so, but... A lot of mine just sounds cliche. I don't have anything unique to say, but everybody has unique, genuine, individual problems, and those can be fixed and improved in unique, genuine, different ways. Okay, we're almost out of time. So before we go, Mm. I like to give people the opportunity to plug something. It can either be something you're working on or just something that you're enjoying right now. Mm, kind of sounds like the the Hot Wings YouTube channel where they're like, oh, you can plug. <laughs> In a way, yeah. but I also like to give people the chance to just be like, here's a thing I enjoy. I yeah, have no I mean, affiliation with it, but it's cool. I don't necessarily have a plug. I mean, I have an Instagram if people wanted to follow it. I currently live in Shanghai. I just got back from Hong Kong. I traveled to Beijing not too long ago. I'm on my way to Japan by the end of the month. My Instagram is cglinguist6. Did I add a number? I don't even know. (laughs) But I just post about animals and my daily updates and things that I see and do. It's a lot of Disney. I have an art Instagram. I think it's just Kaylee's studio. Kaylee is C-A-L-E-I-G-H. And I think it's just Kaylee's with an S studio. Kaylee's studio. <laughs> I just pulled it up and yes. There you go. Yeah, I don't even know. I just post to it. Um, also, your regular Instagram doesn't have a six. It's just CG Linguist. 
There you go. I like to add a six to it on okay. other account names. So I wasn't sure. <laughs> you can always change it. Yeah. We can always add that six later. <laughs> but I guess that's just a little Instagram plug there. Otherwise, I'm just chilling. I, I love art. I love talking about Disney. So if you ever want someone else to talk about Disney with, I'm here. <laughs> nice. I'm currently working for Disney on the other side of the planet. So I could talk to you about Disney all you want. But thank you for letting me be a part of your podcast. <laughs> of course. I had fun. Thank you again, Dan. It's Good only luck. 11.30 in the morning here, but I'm sure it's late for you. Uh, it's 11.30 here. I love that it's exactly 12 hours. It makes it very easy to figure out. I know, but it would still be 13 hours if you guys didn't have daylight savings. The 12 hours is perfect. It makes my life easier. <laughs> yeah. Bye, everybody. Bye, <laughs> Dan. Thank <laughs> you.